Uh, welcome to Infuse Church. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here. We've got a great team of people who communicate every Sunday. And we are in a series called Guardrails, um, and it's actually the end of the series. Um, and I'm sure that's why all of you are here uh, for the end of today's series and to hear me. Uh, but just in the off chance, you're like, I hope there's another part. There is. We're actually having a baptism today. And so uh, we'll be talking about that here in a little bit. Uh, but essentially in this series, if you haven't been here um, in this series called Guardrails, we've been talking about well, guardrails. Um, and guardrails are something that um, we have on the road. I don't know if you've ever noticed them or maybe you've ever hit them before, but they're there to prevent you from getting into more trouble, right? They're there to prevent you from getting more hurt or injured, right? Guardrails are there to direct and protect you. And then we talked about how in life you need those too, right? And that video is kind of funny. There was a guardrail of sorts there, right? And they thought, well, I'll just go under it, no problem. But there was a problem. And in life, we need to have those guardrails too because when we don't um, and we're going through life, especially if it's a dark, windy road, season kind of, of life, and it's a dangerous road of life and full of challenges or stress or anxiety or temptation or whatever it may be you're going through life, um, you're tempted in the middle of the night or whatever to start to skid off or run off the road, and guardrails are there to prevent you from doing that, and we all need that in life. So we're going to talk about today um, and end the series a little bit with a universal guardrail, um, and that's a guardrail that I like to think at least applies to all of us regardless of where we are in our faith journey, whether you're Christian or not. It's, it's one of those guardrails um, that I think uh, if we get this right, it kind of helps us with no matter what life is going to throw at each and every one of us. So to start, I want you to think of something that's of, of value to you. It doesn't have to be something that you have now. Um, it's just something uh, in your life, at some point in your life, where that, that you've considered it very valuable. Um, and so uh, it might be like, uh, for some of you guys, it could be like a set of tools, uh, it could be a car. Um, uh, maybe for some of you, it's something that was handed down through the generations and was given to you, um, a jewelry item, uh, just what some pet, whatever, um, that is of value to you. So much so that whether spoken or unspoken, you have put guardrails around that thing, right? Not everybody gets to use this item or thing of value. Or if somebody does have it, there's rules around it because you value it. For me, growing up, um, I, it, uh, the thought that came to my mind was my first car. And my first car was a Jeep Grand Cherokee. It was like, I can't remember what it was, like sterling blue. So it was like a bluish gray. It was a nice used one that my grandma had, had driven. And she, you know, um, she was like, do you, do you want to drive it? And I was like, absolutely. I mean, what 16-year-old is going to turn down a car? Um, and it was really cool. And I, I thought the car was really great, as many of you probably thought your first car was great, even though it maybe wasn't the best of cars out there. It wasn't quite a looker, but it signified something, right? It signified the fact that you are now an adult or getting close to an adult. You thought you were an adult. I don't know if the rest of the world thought you were an adult, but anyways, and that you had freedom, and that hopefully you felt fairly cool driving it around. And because of that, you really valued your first car. In fact, um, I, I'm sure you've had this too, where you know, you're filling out a password and then they ask you a security question. And one of the most common security questions is, what was your first 
car, right? Because for a lot of us, it was valuable. And it was so valuable that I actually, even as a teenager, put guardrails around it. Like, you can't come into the car if you have muddy shoes, okay? Um, because I kept that thing clean. Like, I was in there, like, with a towel, like, cleaning the inside of the rims and spraying the tires so it shined nice and black, because I really like black shining tires. And um, so everything had to be clean. Another rule was none of my other 16-year-old friends could drive the car, thought that was a pretty good rule. Um, Most would say that was actually a responsible rule to have. And I think so, um, because guardrails are supposed to be there to help us to be responsible. So what is that thing for you? Maybe it is a car, maybe it's something else. What is that thing that you've put guardrails or rules around? Now, here's the deal about that thing. The reason that you put those guardrails around it is because to you, it's worth a lot. The rest of the world may not see it as valuable as you see it, but to you it is worth a lot. And so you are not afraid to put guardrails around it. It's not um, crazy for you to do such a thing. In fact, we would call it, like I said, responsible. So take that thought process for a second, and now I want you to apply it to yourself. I want you to think about your self-worth or your value. Because here's how I like to think at least this connects. If If your self-value, if your self-worth isn't accurate, isn't set correctly, um, then you are not going to treat yourself as you should. You won't be willing to put up guardrails in your life if you don't feel like you're worth putting guardrails around. Now, this concept is a lot easier always when we talk about other people. So let's just talk about other people for a second. Okay. Because we're great at judging. Um, so think about um, someone in your life um, that you would say probably, if you're hopefully tracking with the guard, guardrails analogy, that doesn't really exactly have great guardrails around their life. Okay? Someone that does that bad thing, runs off the road over and over and over and over again. Okay? Maybe you're sitting next to them. Don't look at them. Don't nudge them. That would be weird. But you know who I'm talking about, right? Or the someones I'm talking about. You know, they, they date the same people over and over again. You're like, why do you keep doing that? They have friends that are the same friends over and over again. And you're like, why do they keep doing that? Um, they, they have goals and they tell you about their goals. And then they say, oh, but this got in the way, this got in the way. And they don't actually accomplish your goals. And they're like, why are you not getting it accomplished? In fact, you're looking at them and say, why are you hurting yourself? You know, why are you causing yourself some self-pain? Now, it's easy to see in other people, but I would propose to you that we all struggle more than we admit, probably more than we realize, probably more than I even realize in my own life, that we hurt our own selves because we don't value ourselves. A a very simple, almost oversimplified example of this, but still very true, is with um, our kids. So Stephanie and I, we have three kids, five, three, and two, and um, I am very adamant, borderline sometimes a little angry, if the, the girls don't get to bed on time, because they're all three girls. And uh, because I know a couple things. One is if they don't get sleep, tomorrow is going to be a special day. <laughs> I also know that I love them. And if they don't get their eight to 10 hours that they need at that age for de- development, that's going to hurt them. And because I love them, I want to take care of them. And so Stephanie and I attempt to, attempt to set guardrails around their bedtime, Right? and get them to bed. But what's so funny is when it comes to our own lives, we don't do that, right? Because we tell ourselves we have too much to do. 
We have so much going on. We have to work harder. We got to get this thing done. We got to get this project out the door. Go, 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 go. And so if I only get a few hours of sleep a night, that's acceptable. But why? Because studies show, especially as you get older, that sleep becomes so much more crucial. Again, it's kind of like a belt, like you need it at the start, and then maybe you don't need it through your 20s when you're in college. <laughs> and then, you know, as you get older, again, you need that sleep Again, otherwise it can lead to some serious health concerns. Why do we not care for ourselves enough? Why do we push that boundary enough? And I'd like to think part of the reason is because we don't value ourselves as we should. Now, this value, I want to be very clear, is not pride. Because some of you, some of us, including myself, we struggle with pride. And pride is where you think you are more valuable than others. That's not what we're talking about. This is understanding, accepting and trusting and believing and knowing in the deepest part of your heart that you are valuable because you inherited that value. It wasn't something that you earned. You were born with that value. It's kind of one of these founding premises of America for that matter, but we don't really follow it that well. Um, but that because you have life, you have value. It's given to you. You didn't earn it. In other words, no matter what season or circumstance of life you go through, your value doesn't change. You could be going through a situation in your life where the rest of the world, if they knew about it, or maybe they do know about it, would kind of look down their nose at you. But that doesn't impact or shouldn't impact your value, that kind of self-worth, that kind of value. That's the kind of worth that I question if we have or have it correctly enough. Because when we don't, we are not likely to put guardrails or feel like we deserve to put guardrails around our life. We don't accept or um, we don't admit or come to terms with the fact that if we go off the road and down the hill, that hurts us and that's bad and that's not okay and we should avoid that. But we tell ourselves a lot of myths and one of the biggest myths I think that we tell ourselves is that we can set our own value alone. We can do it ourselves. We don't need anyone else or anything um, other than ourselves to do it. That we can just somehow magically conjure self-value in ourselves and we'll get it and we'll be fine. But that doesn't work. And you know that that doesn't work. Or that we're going to find that value in the eyes of others or in the eyes of a loved one or in the eyes of the world. But you know that doesn't work. Because if you think about like my Jeep, I valued that Jeep substantially. But one night, while I was at youth group, Wednesday night, at church, worshiping Jesus, I leave the church building, and I walk out, and I'm looking for my car, and I'm like, that is not where I parked my Jeep. Because the Jeep was now two stalls down. And I'm like, that is the weirdest thing. And the parking lot, the, you know, the park, you're supposed to park this way, and my Jeep was like this way. And I get closer to it, and I realize I, was, I had a hit and run. Somebody saw not sideswiped, that literally like ran into the side of the car and pushed it two stalls along. And in the process, they actually bent the frame so bad they couldn't get it back and it totaled the whole car. I, I know, thank you. I know. I didn't cry, but you can, yeah. Yeah. But that was my freedom that was lost, right? And then I wasn't gonna tell this, but so then I get another car. It's a Toyota Highlander. This is totally off topic, then we're coming back, but it's so good. <laughs> And not my best moment, but I get literally have it a week. My dad drives my brother to school. And it's a good thing he had already dropped my brother off in, in my, my car. 
on the way. He was coming down a residential, 25, houses all around, gets hit by a Dodge Ram. I know. Flips the car up on its side, spins it like a top, and totals it. All the airbags come out, done deal. I know. I don't know what I was supposed to learn from God in that season. Maybe it was just preparation for today. I don't know. All of that happened so I could share it to you today. Anyways, okay, back on topic. Sorry. What was I even saying? Um, Yeah, so I walked out. Oh, yes, the rest of the world doesn't value you as much as you should value you. That was the point of that. Sorry, getting back on topic. Okay, so then the other option is we go and we say, well, I'm going to set my own self-value. But we struggle to set our own self-value. value because we have self-doubt and self-worth all the time. We tell ourselves we're not good enough, successful enough, that we're going to fail, that we're imperfect. And so therefore, we don't deserve to have those boundaries. And this, my friends, is why I would propose to you, no matter where you are in your faith walk, um, maybe you haven't even been in church for a long time, you're just here for the baptism because you love Shelby, and that's awesome. I'm glad you're here. But that, that you come today and you think about, what if there was a third party? What if I didn't have to set my worth and the world didn't have to set my worth, but there was something else, someone else that sets my value? This is why, to me, we need God. Now, hear me out on this. Because God cares, period. No questions. No, maybe. Period. His love defines us, no questions asked. If you go back to the whole Jeep thing for a second, okay, that was my favorite car. Even though it was used, it was old, and it wasn't perfect. But because it was mine, it was valuable. The rest of the world didn't value it, obviously, but I did. I value that, whatever year it was, Jeep Grand Cherokee, more than I even value my cars today as I was thinking about it. And the cars that we drive today, like we bought them new. Okay, there's way more technology. Guys, there's USB ports in the cars today. There was not USB ports. It was really cool when they came out with a little radio attachment you put on your iPod that was black and white. You could connect it to the radio and oh, that was so cool. You could listen to your own songs on the radio in your car. My car will stop me before I hit somebody because I wasn't paying attention, right? That's amazing. That's incredible. It's way more valuable. The rest of the world would say, Taylor, your cars today are way more valuable than your other cards. But this is what love does. It defies material worth, and it just simply says, because I love you, because I care about you, because I value you, you are worthy. You are worthy. That is God's love for us. Teaching one day, Jesus is going along, he's teaching a lot of things, and people are so anxious, and people are afraid, and they're asking him questions, and this is constant theme of fear and concern and anxiety, which I think in part comes from our general lack of self-worth and value, right? I mean, if you know you're good, that you are valuable, you might be confident, but you know you're good. You know you're okay. You know God's gonna take care of you. If you, if you have that, you're on, on a, kind of on a, on a rock. You're not gonna be washed around with the, the tide and the change in, in life. But they, people kept coming and we're all concerned. And so Jesus is just like, hey, guys, I gotta address this, okay? And he tells this little story in Matthew chapter 10. He said, what is the price of two sparrows? To which we all say, got nothing, okay? Well, back then it was worth like a copper, okay? It was worth like nothing, practically. But probably more than it is now, for that matter. Jesus said, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father in heaven knowing about it. In other words, a sparrow may be worthless, 
But God still knows that sparrow fell. And God, and this is this famous verse that maybe you've heard before, seen embroidered on a pillow or something like that. He says, the very hairs on your head are numbered and God knows the number. In other words, he's making a point. He's not, maybe, yeah, he does indeed know the hairs on your head, but his point is he knows you that well. He knows you better than you know you. And his response is, so don't be afraid. And then I love this little section. I think we just skip right by it if you ever read it. He says, you are more valuable to God. And honestly, I don't even care. I don't know if we should even care what the rest of it says. You are just more valuable to God, period. What more do you need? I mean, he goes on to say you're valuable than a whole flock of sparrows. And it's like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. So he said, if God knows about one sparrow, he knows about a flock of sparrows, and you are worth way more than that. You are valuable. But too often, we get caught in the too much. We get caught in, you know, we we have too much going on. We have too much in a season of life. We have um, too much on our plate. And in the midst of that, God's trying to say, no, no, no. But that doesn't change your value. You could have a lot going on, but it doesn't change your value. Don't let the realization that you are imperfect change your worth. Change your worth. Because that's not what love does. My kids know they do things wrong, but they know they are loved. And that's what God's point is trying to get across. He created us. He gives life. He gives a lot of what we have. You and I didn't make everything we have. We have theories of where it came from, but... The bottom line is, and the point God's trying to make is, you are valuable to God. You're more valuable to God. In this other verse, Jesus is walking along. It's a really cool one. He's talking to his disciples. He's like, hey, when you came and saw me, you were caring for me. When you came, uh, for when I was hungry, he said, you gave me something to eat. In other words, if you are in a place in your life where you don't even have enough money in the bank to buy food, you are still worthy of my attention. You are still worthy of my love. When, when you didn't even have clothes, you are worthy of my attention and my compassion. When you were a stranger, you are still worthy of my love. When you were sick, you were still worthy. I'm not going to avoid you just because you're sick, because you feel terrible, because you're afraid. You are still worthy of my love. He says, even when you're in prison, You are worthy of me coming and visiting. You should go and visit me. All of those situations that you could be, even in prison, Jesus is like, you are valuable enough. You are worthy. That's what love does. That's what love does. Paul said it this way. Paul, who like hated Christians and despised Christians, put Christians in jail and all this kind of stuff. He said, but God shows his love for us In that while we were still sinners, we talked a lot about sin in this series so far. Sin is when you miss the mark with God. It's an archery term. You try to shoot and you hit the bullseye. Bullseye is loving God and loving your neighbor and loving yourself as you should. When you miss that, that's a sin. Now, you may have heard like when you grew up, like dancing was a sin or, you know, wearing the wrong clothes or getting tattoos or all that. That's a sin. No, sin is when you do not love yourself Love each other and love God as you're supposed to do. When you fall short of that, God still loves you anyways, enough to give his own life for 
you. Who's willing to do that for you? If you're worth that much, aren't you worth having some boundaries, some rules, some guidelines set up in your life? One of the motivations for this was um, in Shelby's story, which you're going to hear in just a second. She said something that I hear as a pastor and I've heard here for the last eight years of the existence of this church um, all the time. And that is, I was not, I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to be baptized. I didn't feel like I knew enough about God. I hear that all the time. Let me tell you something. Christian or not, if there is a God, you and I will never know enough. My kids, in all of the life that I will have with them, will never know me perfectly well, will they? They won't know every story. They won't know every trial. They won't know every challenge. But they will know my love. And I hope I will know theirs. And in that love, they know that they are worthy and that they can grow up and enter the challenges of life loved and valuable and know that they matter and that they matter no matter how they perform. Because isn't that a lot of childhood? Isn't that, I think, sometimes how God looks at us as his children? We make mistakes over and over and over again and know that God still loves us. We don't make mistakes for the sake of experiencing God's love. We just mess up sometimes. We just sin sometimes. But yet God still loves. You don't have to be enough or know enough. It's not a matter of enough. It's a matter of accepting a love that's given to you as a gift. There's nothing my children will ever do to earn my love. Now, they can certainly help it along. Let's not, let's, let's be honest, okay? Right? But that's never gonna change. No matter how far they get away, I will always love them. And that's what God's message for all of us is. And in that love, he says, hey, here's some guidelines for your life. Not to control you, not to demand, not to make you feel bad when you fall short but so that you know I care enough about you to give you boundaries, to give you rules, to give you guardrails. And when you live in those guardrails, when you set those guardrails and accept them for yourself and your life, life will go better. And in those guardrails, you will find that I love you. My kids will know that they are loved because they follow my instructions and they don't get hurt. And then they avoid following my instructions and then they get hurt. And then they circle back and they're like, oh gosh, I should have listened to dad in the first place. That's God's relationship with us. And he says, you are so valuable. Treat yourself as such. Not better than other people. Not that you're superior, but that you're simply loved. Loved so profoundly. Because my friends, you know this. If you've lived any of life so far, life will throw things at you that you cannot plan for that you will not accept or expect, excuse me. Life will throw so much. Going into those seasons of life, knowing that you are a child of God, that you are worthy, your life is valued by the creator, changes how you will engage in your life and engage with the world around you. It will change how you make decisions moving forward, because you'll look at yourself and say, I can't do that to myself. I am too valuable. I'm not better than other people. I am just too valuable to let that happen. 
I'm too valuable to continue that pattern of behavior and decisions. I am too valued. That's why I think sometimes when someone's really suffering, you do something like an intervention, right? I'm not saying that that's a great idea sometimes, but kind of I think the underlying point of that, I know that's why we do small groups here, is that people can get together and they can get to the point where they trust each other and they know that they are loved by one another and they can be vulnerable and honest and navigate the challenges of life honestly and not alone. And it changes how you engage in the world. Think about that thing at the very beginning that I talked to you about that is so important to you, that you really value so much that you are willing to put guardrails around it, that you're willing to protect it, that you're willing to tell people, no, that is not okay, that is not how you treat this thing. This is not how you prioritize this thing, or vice versa, this is how you prioritize this. Why can't that be you? Because to God, he made it very clear that you are a priority. You are like the priority, enough to die for priority. When we have baptism today, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that Shelby has gone through a journey of life, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. You'll hear that in her story. But it comes to the point where you say, you know what? I see it in the church. I see it in my friends. I see it in my family. And I decide to accept it from my heavenly father. And that is his love and his value that he places on me. That no matter my sin, no matter my falling short, that I am loved and I am redeemed and I am transformed. And I accept that love and I let it fill me and define me. And it changes us from the inside out. Baptism is simply just an outward symbol of something that's already happened on the inside. It's not magical. It's a statement. It's a testimony. It's obedience to saying, God loved me so much, I want to do something in return. And what he asks us to do is something actually pretty simple, to just be baptized, to show that we are dying to our old self and coming out new and refreshed and reborn, knowing that we are that valued by our heavenly father. So that's what you're gonna see here in just a second. And that's what you're gonna read on this little intro video is what is baptism and what does it signify? And so when Shelby gets baptized, it's usually something we're excited about and celebrate. So when she comes out of the water, feel free to clap, hoop, holler, try to stay in your chairs and not hurt anybody around you, but be excited about it. Because Shelby is valuable and Shelby is worth God's love and you are too. So go ahead, watch this intro video, and then here's Shelby's story.
Hi, I'm Shelby Vincent. I grew up going to church uh, on your typical church holidays, like Easter, Christmas, um, and holidays like that. But I never really grew up really going to church or actually talking about church or Jesus. Um, I kind of just figured that out on my own while going to church during those times. I always knew Jesus died for my sins, but I never really knew what the impact that really meant to me um, until recently. So um, in my adult life, um, I also was longing trying to figure out um, questions that I had for Jesus. Um, and I really didn't know how to go about doing that. Uh, I definitely tried to read my Bible. Um, my good friends um, would give me Bible devotionals and I would do that. Um, I would highlight my favorite Bible verses and cutesy Bible verses that I saw on Pinterest. Um, and I thought that that was kind of like what I was supposed to do to find Jesus in my life. Um, but yeah, I definitely was missing something for sure going to church no matter if it was during the church holidays growing up or even during um, my adult life in church there would be baptisms and it would be full water submersion baptisms and it was just so inspiring to me um, I would literally sit out there for people I didn't even know and I would be crying like just so happy for them just because um, it's just amazing to see that they were so confident and open with their relationship with Jesus and they were wanting to um, celebrate that and I just thought that was so awesome um, and I was always like so moved by that and there was always like bits and pieces of me wanting to do it where I would be like okay I think this is my time I think I'm gonna do it but I would just fight the urge and fight that um, just because I constantly felt like there was something missing where I just didn't know enough um, and I didn't feel like I was worthy enough for baptism to be honest. When I was in Texas, I attended a summer Bible studies and women's Bible group. And I will always remember I was sitting there and we were supposed to be in the book of John. And I had my Bible all proud on my lap and I was in first John, um, which are different. And um, I had a sweet lady. She did tap me on the arm and was like, you're in the wrong book. And I felt really, I know it was so kind of her to say that to me, um, but I felt so almost embarrassed in my soul just because I didn't really, I kind of felt like, what am I doing here? Um, and I just kind of felt like I was being kind of an imposter. Um, and I was scared to even kind of talk or answer questions that I knew the answers to because I was scared someone was going to think like, she doesn't know enough, she shouldn't really be here. Um, and that was kind of my entire time um, when I was in church in my adult life. Becky is a person that we first met um, at Infuse um, at the first impressions um, and the first guest table. And she ended up being in our marriage group. Um, and she has always kind of given me her um, testimonies and saying that it's okay not to know all the answers. Um, and that's kind of what's great about the journey is finding all those out. So just hearing other people's talk about that has been super encouraging to me, um, just because all the people that I look up to and even my good friend Amber, um, she would say the same thing that she doesn't know everything in the Bible, but she's been a big influence in my life. So just hearing other people say that they don't know everything makes me feel like, okay, maybe I'm not alone in that. I, I truly do believe that Infuse has got me to where I am today. And just honestly getting involved and building that community um, 
whether it's greeting everyone at the door or kind of facing my fears and getting up in front of people and talking on stage as a host. Um, it's really just kind of brought a full circle to me that I feel like the reason I didn't get baptized back down in Texas is I was missing my family and I was missing my friends, but I was also missing a group of people who loved Jesus and they were supportive and wanted to have that support for me as well of loving Jesus too. So I'd never forget the conversation I had with one of my best friends um, since elementary school. And I was like, I don't know why I'm just so emotional when it comes to um, like Jesus. And she like said like, yeah, that's kind of him trying to tell you he wants in your life. And that's always stuck with me. And I just want everyone in the world to know how much Jesus is great. And I see it in everyone's life um, when they do the baptisms, which I think is what makes me so emotional um, is just, it's an, like a response as to how great he truly is. And I want everyone to know about it. I'm Shelby and I have decided to follow Jesus as my savior. and pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you first and foremost for Shelby's faith. It's not really an act of bravery or of confidence. It's an act of faith, of trusting in what cannot be seen. And that is love. We do it every day here on earth. We trust the love of those around us, trust sometimes the love inside of us. And so today we get to celebrate that Shelby trusts the love above her your love. Thank you for that story. Lord, help us, as Shelby did, to see our value, to see our worth, to know that we are loved by you, 
as we say in our kids' ministry, that your son wants to be our friend forever, our best friend forever. That's what someone who loves us wants. Lord, help each and every one of us today, whether it be to renew or commit for the first time or commit to explore and begin exploring your love today. Help us each individually to surrender to love, to your grace, to your truth, to your patience and your kindness and your forgiveness and your mercy. Help us to walk away from our fear and our shame and our guilt and our anxiety and be free because we are yours, because you define us. You are there at the beginning and you will be there at the end and everywhere in the middle and we will be. We will be okay. Lord, help us. Whether it be through the people around us, the church around us, your word, through our life experiences that we would come to the place in our hearts and in our minds where we can let go of all of the world and give our lives to you. Give us the strength to do that. Give us the people to do that. Help us to make that decision, if not today, in the very near future, so in that we can experience that peace that passes all understanding, that freedom that comes from knowing our worth and value, and that hope in the everlasting life to follow. In your name I pray, amen.